0: We left Los Angeles, uh, a huge city, modern city, in 1944 and came to Saturna. And uh, my parents had purchased the property 10 years previously, 1936, when they were actually backpacking through the islands. So uh, there was a log cabin that had been built, I believe, in the 1880s and had been abandoned for some time that had blackberries growing through the walls and the, and the floor. and my father had to get that taken care of to some degree before before we moved in. And again, there was no electricity or indoor plumbing. And we replaced the car that we drove from California in, in a 1928 Cadillac uh, with a tally-hole horse that we bought in Victoria. She was a retired tally-hole horse, and her name was June. And we had a Democrat wagon, which... Children probably don't even know what is today. It's just a four-wheeled buggy that you could ride in or carry supplies and things in. And we use that from our place, which is midway between the lighthouse and Winter Cove. We would go to Winter Cove because there was, they called it the lighthouse trail, but it was a sort of road. It was wide enough to handle a buggy. And uh, we'd had a small boat over in Winter Cove, and we would come to the dock here where there was a store, you know, about, you know, once a week, once every two weeks. Uh, And their idea was to be self-sufficient with the gardening and, uh, of course, lots of deer that could be shot, which we did, and fish. Oh, my goodness, we had lots of fish. My parents could go out in the front of our house and usually in five minutes, have a fish for supper. Mother would can, she pressure-cooked things. Again, we had no free, uh, no refrigeration of any kind, so she canned everything. And uh, we were pretty much uh, self-sufficient as far as, um, you know, eating, with the exception of flour and sugar, those staples they did buy. Then at, at the time we arrived here, World War II was still going strong, and the Air Force was using Anniversary Island and the reefs off of our place near Tumble for target practice. And we daily saw bombs falling into the water, dead fish floating up on the shore the next day because of the uh, percussion that the bombs caused. Uh, and that was a little bit scary to a four- and six-year-old. I can remember actually having nightmares about about it. You know, my mom was going to get me. <laughs> and uh, obviously it, uh, it never did. My brother and I have a brother, John, who's less than two years older than, younger than I am. And uh, most of these experiences would have been experienced with him as well. You know, especially going to school <laughs> because uh, we went together. And we walked about seven kilometers over Mount David to school. The elevation of Mount David was about 900 feet. So the trail was actually quite steep. And, uh, I think usually we figured close to an hour on, on the trail over the, over the mountain. And actually part of the trail down the, um, south side was old logging roads. I mean, Previous to the time we had been there, there had been logging, I think, back in the, in probably the 30s, and uh, there were still, you know, in some areas, evidence of that. Big tree stumps that were cut, and certain areas that weren't as thick with the brush as otherwise. So it was a well, well, you know, a well-established trail. And partway up, there was a creek that ran down, and the, we would stop and, uh, you know, get a drink of water. We had a cup We would get a drink of nice cold water at where that stream was, which then probably was perfectly okay. The original school was the Drader's House uh, right above the beach in La Harbour. And the living room was used as the schoolroom, had a pot-bellied stove for heat and an outhouse for other things. There were eight of us when my brother and I Attended there were we made the seventh and eighth kids in the school. The uh, teacher was uh, I think near retirement, a uh, lovely lady, Mrs. Faulkner was her name, and she was a good teacher. One time I it may have been more than once, but once I specifically remember the tide was low, and she let us go out at lunchtime into the bay barefoot and catch crabs and she cooked them on the pop-bellied stove. <laughs> And also uh, in the winter time, when it was cold, if we had been especially well behaved, she would sometimes fix us hot cocoa on the, um, with canned milk, <laughs> it was evaporated milk, on the stove. And those were, you know, little things I remember because they were, you know, they were fun. In 1951, the road was completed from the north side of the island over into Lyle Harbor. And uh, at that time, my parents bought a horse for both my brother and I. Their names were Dixie and Trixie. And we rode to school, which was a little bit longer ride, but not the steep mountain trail that we'd had previously. And not being experienced horse people, we had a little trouble at first. one day, the, the, uh, my brother's horse decided she wasn't going to go anywhere. She just planted her feet. <laughs> and we got off and tried to pull her. And, uh, it took us probably, I don't know how long, it seemed forever, but uh, a long time to finally get that horse to move. And after, you know, a few weeks, we learned we had to be a little more assertive and and the horse would go. Because mine would go up a few hundred feet up the road and start to buck. Uh, when I went first had her. She didn't want to go down the hill. and She didn't want to go to school. <laughs> and so, uh, and I had a quirt. You know, I'd just do a little slap on the flanks, not very hard, and she'd buck. So I decided I didn't like the idea of a quirt at all. <laughs> she was going to buck. And I'd get off and pull her down the hill <laughs> and get on her. But as I say, that didn't last too long. We uh, did ultimately manage to have control over our horses and um, I finished eighth grade in uh, 1952 so we only rode our horses for about a year and a half because that's as long as we had the quote new school. One time riding the horse a tree had fallen across the road at an angle and I thought I could ride under the tree without having a problem Uh, you know I could stay on the horse. And as it turned out, I couldn't. I was wearing a suede, beaded sort of riding jacket that my aunt had given me. And it was, oh, I was quite proud of that, that jacket. It was quite unique. And a small branch coming down from the tree, I mean, maybe six inches, just a a little spike sort of, caught the back of my neck, the collar of my coat, and of course, started to choke a bit so i was able to slide off the horse and she went on through and I, my brother i think helped helped me in that situation as well so no harm was done but a lesson was learned that you don't <laughs> you don't go under trees <laughs> that are fallen <laughs> on a horse you get off the horse mine was dixie she was the smaller of the two and she was, had been a sulky, a sulky racer at the, the Vancouver racetrack over there. She pulled, you know, sulky, a little two-wheel cart, and the the rider is in the cart, and they race those, and that's what, what she had been. And uh, she was a tremendous trotter, but a hard, hard to ride, because trotting, you're going like this all the time. And she would go as fast as most horses galloping but she wouldn't go into the gallop she would trot because they that's when the racing they didn't gallop they trotted and uh initially i thought i would get my teeth jarred out <laughs> till i kind of learned actually i kind of learned to post to, to take care of the the rough ride i was was getting and uh my uh Brother's horse was different. I it was a big, bigger horse, and I think uh, think it probably had some Morgan or Clydesdale in it. It it was definitely a mix and and a big animal. But he he would gallop. He would gallop. There there were very different horses to ride, and uh, we enjoyed you know not having to walk over the the mountain. <laughs> no. That time, and then once we got to school, we tethered them in the in the field, uh, at the school, the school grounds. We just tethered our horses in the in the field, and they ate little grass all day, and were usually anxious to go home because we would feed them once we got home. So we didn't have trouble going home. If we had troubles, it was going to school. <laughs> we always had a boat, and a, once a year. We would usually in September go to Sydney and stock up on staples, you know, and and clothes, school clothes, things for school. Well, this we had a, a new boat this one time, and we were we came back and it was dark by the time we got back from Sydney. So Dad anchored the boat; he had a, a mooring in the bay. So he moored it and said, "Well, we'll wait until morning when it's light to unload everything," which made sense. Uh, but the boat was in the opposite bay to where the house was, and the in the middle of the night, the light keeper came up, which again is about four miles, and he could see from the lighthouse that the flames. So our boat burned. It must have been a gas leak somewhere, and the engine was still hot. And then he shut it down, and that boat burned below the waterline. So, of course, <laughs> all the all of the supplies for the winter were lost. <laughs> I I do remember that. And again, it, in the middle of the night. The lightkeeper came up uh, to to tell us because we, we had the little hill between, so we, we couldn't see it from where our house was at all. But it, uh, yes, it burned. And another time, in a big storm, kind of like the storm that's out there today, a um, deadhead log pounded into the side of a boat and sunk it you know actually put a hole right through the side and uh, we went and here's the just the cabin above the water and of course salt water doesn't do much good to your engine <laughs> but uh, dad rebuilt that he um uh, it was a clinker built um, and he he did bring that boat back <laughs> it was a lot of work but uh uh that one at least wasn't burnt. I mean, there was nothing left of the one that burned that could be salvaged. So, uh, uh, yeah, it. Uh, our side isn't very good winters, winter winter moorage at all. <laughs> We're definitely isolated when it came to being able to get any medical help. And uh, I guess first I'll I'll even mention what happened to me. Uh, I, My brother and I had, our, one of our chores was to always have get keep the wood box full in the house. And we had a wood shed. Had a kind of a lean-to shed, and there was a oh, bulkhead, probably a two-by-four, you know, across the top. John and I were out there getting our wood in, and we decided we'd have a little contest. We could reach the strut that held the, the roof up with our hands. And we were swinging, going and swinging back and forth and letting go and seeing who could go the farthest. <laughs> well, I went the farthest, but I hit a piece of wood that was on the ground, totally broke my leg, uh, dislocated it and broke it as well. And uh, with hours, I went to um, some... My dad, oh, he took me in the little tractor, I think, to Winter Cove. They ended up getting uh, someone who... Who was around, Georgeson, to take me to, uh, take us to Salt Spring to Lady Minto Hospital. It was, it was there at that time. And I ended up, this is amazing. Today you would have been in the hospital maybe a day or so with that. Uh, I was in the hospital for three weeks and two days because they had to do, uh, traction because of the dislocation. And they drove a six inch spike through my heel. I mean, obviously I was out when they did that, but it was driven and ropes were put on that and weights like bricks were hung over the end of the bed. And that was traction. And it was just over three weeks that I was in the hospital for that. And actually, I didn't, I think my dad was able to come over once and the teacher came once. So, I mean, I only saw Eddie people of that i knew about <laughs> twice in the whole three weeks and then of course that was that was fairly late in the time here because um, i was riding horseback well i couldn't ride horseback for quite a while you know i had to be properly properly healed so that happened i believe in october and i didn't couldn't go back to actually riding the horse to school until after christmas you know it was several several months But, uh, yeah, that was a long, (laughs) a long time, hours, you know, getting to the, getting to the hospital and of course being in a lot of pain as well. And then when my mother, uh, slipped on a log that was on the rocks because we were counting logs due to a storm. Um, and it was our, our trees uh, from logging that were scattered along the shore and uh, this, Log. She stepped on, rolled, and caught her leg underneath it and broke her ankle. And again, we were four miles from any other people. And my, I was nine. My brother was seven. And we went that four miles to try to get help for her. And uh, people we hoped to get help from weren't there initially. And But someone else was found. And my mother was probably... Lying on the rocks for about three hours before, before help came. Someone came in a boat, and she was, uh, you know, taken off. I believe she was flown. In those days, we did have float planes that came in. Some there, there, and I think she was, she was flown out from Winter Cove. She was taken to Winter Cove, and you know, which is on the west end of the island. And, you know, ultimately it was okay, but uh, it was a very scary situation for my brother and I, as young as we were. We were worried the tide might get her. We did kind of check that out. And my dad was away. He'd been hurt in an accident, and he was in Vancouver. So uh ultimately uh, the light keeper took my brother and I for a few days until until my dad could get back to look after us. So... Uh, Medical situations were were definitely uh, difficult to contend with. I think my childhood was really a good one here, partially because of uh, some, because of isolation, and we had a, I think, a greater appreciation of nature and being able to uh, to figure out our own games and ways to entertain ourselves um, because we had the beach right at hand. Uh, we would climb the mountain sometimes just for the heck of climbing the mountain. And uh, it, I, I think, was has given me an appreciation now for conservation and what we need to preserve uh, ongoing for our younger generations. and. Uh, I you know I very much worry about climate change and I try you know myself to be as leave as light a footprint as possible it's obviously not as good as it could be but uh, I I think my whole idea of growing up here gave me quite a different perspective than a lot of people and I am thankful for that